Welcome back to Balling in the Six. This is your Toronto Raptors podcast straight out of London. I'm your host KJ. We've got a little bit of a different format today, but it's the same thing. We're going to be discussing the last two Raptors games, you know, a win against the Spurs, an important win, followed by a bit of a blowout loss, a surprise loss against the Magic. Then, of course, we're going to look at the Lakers. And then we've got a new feature on second round draft picks and general athleticism in the NBA. Without further ado, let's go straight into it. It's been a week for the Raptors since the All-Star break. We have with us our regular co-host now, and I can finally call him a co-host. It's D2 basketball player, Varal. Varal, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for introducing me. Hope everyone listens to the podcast. Thank you for that. So the Raptors have only had two games. Uh, We're going to have an outside opinion. Usually it's just me monologuing my way through this. So... 120 117 victory against the Spurs. This was DeMar DeRozan's homecoming, and you know, rightfully so. And unlike the Spurs fans and the way they treated Kawhi Leonard, the Raptors fans all the whole of the ACC gave a standing ovation to DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan also turned up in the game showing off some trademark spin moves. He scored 23 points on seven for 12 shooting, and of course, is very reliable nine from nine from the free throw line but this was just an excellent team performance from the Raptors it's another game where everyone in the starting lineup hits double figures and that kind of game you don't actually need the bench to turn up despite that we saw good performances from OG and Anubi off the bench three from three from outside the perimeter and Jeremy Lin who's actually been a revelation since coming the game was tight and was won thanks to a Kawhi Leonard steal with 16 seconds to go. And despite late controversy, the Raptors pulled out what could prove to be an extremely important win, especially with the Bucks losing that same night. Varal, how do you rate the Spurs' chances this year? How do you rate their team? What's their goal so far? And should they be disappointed losing to Toronto in the ACC? Well, just to start off there, certainly their goal is to reach the playoffs. Um, we have seen like they have slid down slightly in the rankings, so they're currently eighth. But uh, you know, with the way Pop has always structured his teams, I think um, if they don't make it even like to the fifth or the sixth seed, even though the West is so stacked, I think um, it, it is a bit of a disappointment. They do have two solid, solid All Stars. Just one thing I'd like to point out. Um, the way you suggested as if the Toronto fans were, you know, uh, better or more generous fans than the uh, Spurs fans with the, their respective greetings towards uh, Leonard and uh, DeRozan. I, I, you could argue there are, you know, very different circumstances in the way... All, the, I, all I was left. saying was one set of fans gave a standing ovation, the other booed. I'm not saying who It's very nice to close your eyes like that, sir. But, um, you know, it's not just as black and white as that, I would argue. Okay. Expand. (laughs) Well, of course, with uh, Leonard leaving, you have, um, 
you have uh, Pop and his clique, um, you know, with one superstar, they're not conforming to everything Pop wants. Before the whole uh, Leonard saga, I did think, wow, Pop's such a charismatic guy, he really cares about his players, but I think that whole saga kind of showed that if you're not with Pop and you, if you're not with a system which is all about selflessness and lack of ego and, you know, superstars almost taking this, like, not being, um, like, selling themselves, advertising themselves in the media, if you're not going to toe the line, he's kind of going to cast cast you off. And that's kind of what, what we saw there. So it's interesting that he's also turned all the Spurs fans against Kawhi, I think. Yeah, maybe you could argue that he's been unfairly treated by the fans on his return, but um, I do think a large part of that was like the way pop influenced the media. That's fair. I mean, um, there shall be no Kawhi slander on this podcast, and I'm very tempted to cut that last 30 seconds out (laughs) of the uh, podcast itself. So if we look at the game itself, Kawhi didn't actually play that well, but I'd say there was some poetic justice in DeMar DeRozan's DeMar DeRozan getting the ball stolen with 15 seconds to go, thanks to Kawhi Leonard and pressure from you know his former you know you know they had a huge bromance him and Kyle Lowry. I think I yeah. think that's poetic justice. I don't think any any of us here in like whether wherever you be. And have any ill will towards DeRozan, but what you do see is you see the upgrade that we got because the other player we got from that trade who performed extremely well in that game was Danny Green. He shot five from seven from the three. He made some excellent shots in the second half, on seventeen points, and contributed to a very good night from beyond the arc for the Raptors. So just moving on from that game. Uh, you know, a fantastic win uh, against a tough Western opposition. And then mm. Toronto host Orlando, and it's one of those routine games where you think, okay, let's, you know, beat them by 10 15, <laughs> give the rest of starters. And then suddenly, nope, the Orlando Magic will shut the Raptors down. And Absolutely. I know there was no Kawhi Leonard in this game. But, Varel, I'm not sure if you watched this, but why were the why on earth were the Magic so good or the Raptors so bad? I did not watch the game. But... Shocking. Thank you for your analysis. So, <laughs> what we do see is... Well, I think the main factor here was Terence Ross. Terence Ross, of course, former Raptor, much loved by a lot of people in Toronto, including myself. Uh, he shot... Um, he scored 28 points in that game, including clutch threes from deep some very athletic dunks and him alongside people like Vucevic and Jonathan Isaac who are very impressed I think really showed the full potential of a strong Orlando team who of course are not as far off the playoffs as you think they're sitting in ninth. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what I was going to say yeah they're, are they um sitting maybe three four games onto 500 yep they're, well they're 28 and 33 but they're only yeah. one game behind the Hornets yeah and if you if you do look at it, I'd say they've probably got much more uh, more well-rounded team than the Hornets. Yep, they got the um, momentum as well. People are excited to watch them. What, why T. Ross especially uh, puzzles me. Um, when I look at him and Gerald Green, they're both well. T. Ross is actually a much better shooter than Gerald Green, but 
you know, there's hyper-athletic guys. And I think uh, it does really show or highlight the fact that if you aren't a playmaker, um, in terms of like seeing the floor, being able to pick out the right pass, that that does like hinder you massively. Because T. Ross, in terms of like scoring ability, like you could almost argue like sometimes it's an, at an all-star level. And well, we do know, we know about T. Ross. I mean, yeah, uh, as in Toronto, he scored fifty-one points one night, and then the next night he dropped two points. That, so that was we know about his inconsistency, wasn't it? Yes. So, of course, yeah, and you're right. Sometimes shots just won't fall. And if you don't have the ability to play make or you know, play uh, lockdown defense during that period, you're going to struggle as a player. And I think that's why Ross, as much as we'd all love him to, didn't succeed in a playoff team like Toronto. Mm. So, perfect. I mean, that's been... There's only been two Raptors games since the yeah, All-Star has, break. So All-Star we break. should go back to the All-Star break. There was a couple of Toronto players, of course, in, or, well, representing the city in the All-Star game. Uh, we had Lowry and we had Kawhi Leonard. But maybe look at the All-Star game as a whole. What did you th- what did you think of it? Can we gain anything from it? I know we talked a little bit about the, dra- the All-Star draft in the last mm-hmm. episode. From the game itself, can we gain anything? Do you maybe prefer this type of draft and this type of game to how it's been in previous years? Well, like you said, we did discuss it in a previous episode, and you know, in previous seasons, it had been a slaughter fest with the imbalance between the East and the West. Certainly, I not only preferred the draft, we already went over the draft, but the game itself, I mean. Like it, it kind of happened at the same last year. The first two quarters, they were kind of all pissing around. There were a couple of, you know, um, like the lob, Stephen Curry's lob to Yanis. That was just crazy. Yanis, I think he said after, he wasn't, he didn't realise he was giving him the oop. But um, the nice thing about this format, I think towards the end of the game, that's when they start taking it seriously because usually it's quite close. So that's why I prefer it, really. Fantastic. Well... That's coming up to our 10-minute slot. And that's all we have time for in the Toronto part of this section. Join us just after a very short musical break and we'll talk about the rest of the NBA. Welcome to another episode of Balling in the Six. This is your Toronto Raptors podcast straight out of London. We won 3-2 over the last week with good wins against teams from both the West and the East. So without further ado, let's get right into it. We're going to look at every single game over the last week. So let's start off where we left off last episode. A wonderful win against a quite awful Celtics team. We have touched on the Celtics in the past, but this is the first time we've played them in a couple of months. And I think the conclusion we get is that it hasn't really changed for a Boston team. They may be 37 and 24. Well, they were as at the time of the game. They're now 40 and 26. That's a decent record. It's enough to get you fifth in the East and a comfortable playoff spot. 
but they looked really, really poor when they came to the Air Canada Centre last Tuesday. Their top scorer there was Marcus Morris, and when you're relying on someone like that, you know your team isn't in ideal shape, especially when you have Kyrie Irving, an all-star caliber point guard, starting for you. He only dropped 7 of 3 of 10 shooting, or when you have boy wonder Jason Tate. He only dropped 11, and to be fair, he was one of their better players, but on the night, that's not saying much on a game where they scored under 100 points. Meanwhile, let's switch over to the Raptors, young guys, and we see Pascal Siakam leading the scoring for the Raptors with 25 points of 10 of 16 shooting. And you know what was extra special? Was he went 4 from 5 from the corner 3. That kind of skill, and we've talked about it before, that kind of skill, if he can reliably add it to his game, and he looks like he has now, you see him, you're confident now with Siakam in the corner. He's not just a guy who drives and cuts to the net. He's someone who can be reliable from beyond the arc in a catch-and-shoot kind of role. And as we go forward, that will only make him not only an ultimate player, but it will help the team so much in terms of spacing as well. So, overall, fantastic night for Toronto there. We're going to discuss the Portland game a little bit later with our special Blazers correspondent. So let's move on straight to a quite bizarre game against the Detroit Pistons. This was, uh, well, can you call it a home game? It was in Detroit, but of course, you know, half the stadium is absolutely filled with Raptors fans. And of course, it's a game against former coach Dwayne Casey. Now, there was a little bit of animosity shown towards our former manager after the game. He said that the fans in Toronto don't know what a championship looks like. He wants the Detroit fans to know. The Detroit fans, of course, do know after their 2004 win. And as Detroit now sits sixth after a very good run, they sit sixth in the Eastern Conference. And to be honest, if they played the Pacers today, I'd back them in a first first round series. As they sit sixth, I'm sure Casey can be confident of not getting swept by. Oh, can't at least at least he can't get swept by LeBron this playoffs with both the Lakers and Cleveland out of the playoff running. However, the game was an interesting one. Of course, Detroit don't match up too well with the Raptors from Toronto's perspective. And it really showed. We saw Blake Griffin absolutely dominate as he does. I mean, I've been extremely impressed. I know a lot of people are criticizing that trade from Detroit's perspective, but he's become their franchise man and deservedly so. He's a fantastic player. He can create on his own. And I think Dwayne Case has done the right thing in terms of giving him that capacity, giving him that space to do that. He dropped 27, but we also saw... A 15 and 17 performance from Andrew Drummond, and I think we saw a little bit of unnaturally good shooting from Reggie Jackson, which is perhaps what tipped the game over the edge in overtime. Reggie Jackson, he's a decent point guard, but he's more of a pass first, more of a more of a floor general Lowry type. But he shot eight from 14 this game, and that's not counting Luke Kennard, who's been a bit of a revelation for Detroit, shooting five from nine off the bench from beyond the arc. That kind of pushed it over the edge. 
the Raptors did have chance to win it in overtime. We all remember, or maybe it's too long ago now to remember, but a final play drone up from Marc Gasol. A couple of seconds left, had an inbound, and a really fantastic pass right across the court. Set Gasol up with a corner three, and it was just an unfortunate miss, you know. I think eight out of time, eight out of ten times, he makes that kind of shot, and we walk off with a buzzer beater game winner from the corner, which is always fantastic to do against a former manager away from home. However, it wasn't to be. The one concern here is that Detroit aren't a team the Raptors want to face in the first round. I'm sure if they do, Toronto will go through. I don't think there's any doubt about that. However, if you talk about longevity in the playoffs and fatigue, they're a team you don't want to be going six or so games with because you'll be pretty beat up by the time you're gonna you're facing the 76ers or the Pacers in the next round. So let's just hope the Raptors do avoid Detroit. But in fact, if we look at the playoff standings, six to eight are pretty physical teams that the Raptors don't like to play against. We're talking the Nets and the Heat as well. So maybe it's better not to consider it consider it as a whole but i think it's safe to say that any toronto fan will not want to face Dwayne casey with a chip on his shoulder in the playoffs the raptors didn't bounce back the next game however uh, unfortunately it was at the hands of james harden that houston beat raptors quite convincingly and Although there was a very big comeback in the third quarter, and I'm talking huge, we held Houston to 14 points and dropped 34 of our own. It's simply that James Harden took over in the fourth quarter, as well as Gerald Green. Harden scored 19 in the final quarter, Green scored 11 as Houston dropped 38 in the final quarter. Here it was just... It was a mix of fatigue, concentration and you know, not ideal form. We see, we saw Jeremy Lin have a really terrible game. Thankfully, he's come back, as we saw last night against the Pelicans, and we'll go into that. But it was this game where he carried on his streak of not shooting, not, well, not sinking any threes for the Raptors. And although the Raptors overcame a 22-point second-quarter deficit, we really struggled with the perimeter defense, the bench didn't play to their full potential. They haven't been great this year, but at least when one or two of the bench has been delivering, it's been enough to supplement the starters. Simply put, however, no one in the bench reached double figures, and you can't win with a bench like that, unfortunately, especially when James Harden is on form. In any sense, I think everyone quite liked the next game, this was last night against the New Orleans Pelicans. So, of course, not the Pelicans of earlier this season, in which we might have considered it more of a marquee matchup. It's an Anthony Davis less Pelicans that are, quite frankly, tanking. Davis didn't play due to um, quote unquote back spasms, with some air quotes. And so, you're facing a team with a decent team. I mean, You have, you've got Alfred Payton, you've got Julius Randle, you've got Jaleel Okafor, but it's not a team that the Raptors would ever be scared of with a full-strength side. 
This was shown. Kawhi Leonard's quite quiet 31 points, I thought, or 14 of 20 shooting. Just majestic in the way he manages to do it. We also saw fantastic performances off the bench. Jeremy Lin, who up to this point in his Raptors career had gone naught for 17 from three, actually sunk two yesterday. And overall, looks like he's getting more integrated into the lineup. Gasol settled a little into his starting lineup, but I think the main thing here is the versatility of the two. Of course, we've talked mentioned it before about one being a little more defensive, one being a little more uh, suited to facing, you know, traditional centers, and the other a little more to the modern center, to the more mobile number five that we see today in the NBA. And that versatility is very important. As for Gasol's point scoring, if you just look at the box score, there is some concern over him. You know, 4 points, 9 rebounds, a couple of blocks isn't ideal in 19 minutes, but I think like Lowry, Gasol is a player who brings more when you're when you're watching him. He passes the eye test, as to speak, even if he doesn't necessarily always show it on the stat line. That was a great win, and that sits the Raptors on 47 and 19 couple of games still, well, two and a half games to be precise behind the Bucks. but of course playoff standing doesn't really matter if you're either facing the Nets or the Heat at this point, I think we take any of them, they're both quite tough teams and personally on a side note, I just think the whole facade about the East being an extremely weak conference is wrong, I think that if, the, if uh, Warriors or Nuggets had to face a Nets or a Heat, they wouldn't look forward too much to it either. Whereas, I'd be a lot more confident facing the Clippers or the Spurs in a seven-game series. So what do we have to look forward to? We have, well, speak of the devil, we have a game at Miami tomorrow. Before a matchup against Cleveland. Cleveland, of course, who have officially out of playoff contention as of their last game. Then we have a marquee matchup against LeBron James. This is, of course... A minutes restricted LeBron James with the Lakers having given up. Can you believe it? The Lakers having given up on the playoffs. I personally feel sorry because whatever you think of him, whatever PTSD you do have from the last few years of playoffs, LeBron is still a special player to watch and it will be an ultimate disappointment not to have him in the postseason. I'll see you after the Los Angeles game. But next, we're going to have a word with Blazers correspondent Samuel Jeffrey.